Are you struggling to free up time for client advisory work? Is scope creep hurting your fixed pricing model? Are your quality control processes lacking? Is your staff stuck in a never-ending monthly close process? Ever wish you had a genie that could help you out? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, SmartBooks Genie, later in the episode. So, so let's say the IRS successfully actually got the money out and they've sent a check and it came to your house, but it was for your dead mom. You got to oh, send yeah. the check back. <laughs> I, and I thought that they said when the stimulus checks went out that if they made incorrect payments, they weren't going to try to do that. But now they're changing their mind on that. I, I just... You have to send it back. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so instead of just letting people just cash a $1,200 check and just keep it, it's probably going to cost the government five grand to get the money back and account for it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rather insane. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. Paycheck Protection Program, CARES Act, unemployment insurance, furloughs, layoffs, cash flow, CDC guidance, employee safety, paid leave, tax credits. Tracking all of the constantly changing COVID-19 related information for your clients is getting overwhelming. With OnPay's COVID-19 Resource Center, you'll have a one-stop shop for your up-to-date HR and tax information. OnPay is an easy-to-use full-service payroll and HR software that is the right fit for all your clients, whether they have just one or 500 employees, to stay organized, save time, and get compliant. OnPay includes deep integrations to benefit providers, workers' comp plans, QuickBooks, and Xero. Right now, Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners can get three free months of OnPay payroll service. Learn more, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by BQE Core. As firms everywhere are positioning themselves to work remotely, BQE Software is committed to supporting you and your employees during this critical time. BQE's core products operate 100% on a native cloud platform that's uniquely able to help you in your efforts to embrace remote work while maintaining your productivity. In response to the impact that COVID-19 has had on your firm and your clients' businesses, the team at BQE has let us know that Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners will now receive three months of BQE Core for free with an annual subscription package purchased on or before May 31st, 2020. To learn more, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-E. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So how's your Wi-Fi doing these days, David? Yeah, so it took an extra week, but I now have a Wi-Fi mesh network. Nice. And the mesh network is where you have what appears to be a single network through your whole house, even though you have multiple access points or multiple routers. Exactly. So you really notice it when I go to a different room and I can't see the printer. So I have to like go out to the other room where the printer is and then reconnect to the network. Mm-hmm. So now with a mesh network, just everything's on the same network. It all works as one beautiful, cohesive system now. And I went up. Do, I already had a Netgear Night, Nighthawk router that did a tri-band. And so they actually have an extender that's tri-band. So I bought two extenders, one for both ends of the house, and then linked those up. So I didn't go buy a specific mesh system, but these work as a mesh system. But so... Okay. So you, you didn't have to completely start over. You just expanded your existing system. Exactly. Because basically what it does is the, it's a tri-band. So it uses the one band to communicate all the all the, the router and the extenders on. Mm-hmm. And that still gives you the uh, 2.5 and the 5 gigahertz bands for devices. Nice. Well, I've been having a few Wi-Fi problems. I was on a, a, the accounting salon 
uh, session that I did with Will Lopez on Tuesday. And I only learned after the fact that my audio was apparently cutting out because for some reason in this complex that I'm in here in Phoenix, like it gets really bad around like two or three every day. I don't know why. I, I have a theory that people are cutting out of work at two and they're just starting to watch Netflix. So that's what's happening. That's what Californians tend to do just in general, even when there's not a pandemic. So maybe the whole country is taking that California vibe. <laughs> not me. I never do that. But, uh, you know, I hear, I hear people do that. Anyway. Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned accounting salon. Like that was the big deal from this week. Like yeah. we, uh, I, I helped uh, run the accounting salon with uh, Mandy Aguilar and we, we were basically nine straight hours of a virtual conference. We had nine, nine sessions back to back to back to back to back. It was pretty exhausting, but we got through it and uh, the praise and everybody loved it. It, was, it turned great. out to be a great event. So um, have never done any webinar that huge. Mm-hmm. And that many. Well, it was really big. It was over what twelve hundred registrants. Yeah, we have twelve hundred registrants, and people. There was a. There's probably a good solid three hundred, three hundred fifty people that moved. Like as soon as we disconnected the one webinar, five minutes later they had to be on because mm-hmm. it's CPE credit, right? You have yeah. to get your full fifty minutes. So we disconnect one, start the new one. People would rejoin, and it, it was it was exhausting, but people loved it. It, it, it turned out really, really good. That's great. Well, I got a ton of CPE. I, I made it to seven of those sessions. Wow. Yeah. Trooper. I just, I stayed on the whole time. I was eating my lunch, you know, doing a session. It was great. Let's get to the news of the moment, right? Which is, of course, still again, PPP, COVID-19, IRS tax season. I think the big shocker that just came down the wire was this concept that the White House may Delay tax season again? Oh, I'm glad you. I, I saw that. And I didn't even grab that article. I'm glad you yes. I almost forgot about that. Well, so NBC News is reporting that the White House is considering pushing the tax deadline now from July 15th to September 15th or as late as December 15th, though administration officials are stressing that no decision has yet been made. I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a horrible thing because it will be the tax season that never ends if this does happen, won't it? PPP is already going to cause it to never end. Well, and then the um, the other issue is that if people aren't making their tax payments, if they're just delaying those two, then they're going to owe more and more and more, and sure, just pushing the can down the kicking the can down the road at that point, right? But I, I saw a survey on Twitter by Intuit accountants, their Twitter handle, uh, asking during these challenging times what best describes your workload, and you could reply, "I've seen a decrease." not much of a change, a slight increase, or I'm buried. And with 904 votes counted, I'm buried one with 38.5% of the vote. That's it? Uh, well, I, I, I would assume it would be way more. Way more. A slight increase was 18.5%. 21% of folks, one in five, say not much of a change. And then another 22%. So, you know, one in five said a decrease. So maybe the extension will come as a a good thing. I don't know. I don't think so. I have a feeling, no, it won't. We'd rather just get it done with. Uh, I've also got some COVID-19 stuff, some more PPP stuff as we as we mentioned, but I, I don't know where you want to go from here, David. Um, we could, uh, I think we should just, we should set like a true budget for PPP. Like the, it's eight weeks, we get eight minutes to talk PPP and then we move <laughs> on to other articles. <laughs> All right, you want to just like do the PPP right now? I, I, I can start. Um, okay. So early in the week, I think on... Uh, this is Tuesday morning? No, Monday morning? 
there, there are no days anymore. It's all the same. One of these days this, this week, I woke up and I attended a webinar, a town hall that QuickBooks hosted that had Senator Marco Rubio, who I've invited on the show plenty of times via Twitter. <laughs> and, Still and, won't uh, accept our invites. Just, uh, so, so he's a Republican representative from Florida, or a senator from Florida, and then Ben Cardin, who's a Democrat from Maryland. My big takeaway from it was they were they were hinting at that the forgiveness is going to get easier, which for me struck me as the hundred percent opposite of what we're hearing from the SBA and the um, Treasury and Mnuchin. Right. Right. Yeah. What's up with that? Right. Well, I think I have a clue. It was that uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting today that of the second tranche of the PPP, the $310 billion that was added on April 27th, 40% of that is still available. So, so apparently, the SBA and Treasury were so successful in scaring off people and scaring off bigger businesses, you know, these public companies, the small public companies, these you know, uh, venture-funded companies – like they scared them away with all these threats about loan forgiveness and audits that nobody's applying anymore. So now we may end up with this weird situation where there's like money just available. Like anyone can come get it, but nobody wants to because they're afraid to do it. They, they've gotten scared. Like it's, and it's so confusing and so hard to track that it maybe is not a great option now. Yeah. The footwear company Allbirds is going to return their loan. Are they even a U.S. company? Are they based in Australia? They're out of New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, but they have like 300-something employees in the U.S. Okay, okay. And so they were uh, the founder was on Squawk Box on CNBC and said that even though they fit the criteria of a small business, they're going to return the loan. So, perfect example. Maybe they didn't need to go after these businesses, right? I think everybody got scared, or at least Treasury got scared, that the money was going to run out. And now they've done this. And now, apparently, it's not going to run out. I don't know. Well, yeah. So you so you have this big pile of free money. So you get the press, right? Like yeah. In, in the White House, and arguably the SBA, and arguably the Treasury. Those are all Trump people, and they're out there praising how great this is, and all this money they're going to give out. And then they made it so complicated and so intimidating. And then now they're going and arresting people that uh, had a fraud. They create some some people created some fraudulent businesses, and the FBI has arrested them. And now it's like, oh, give the money back by the 14th. There's this new May 14th deadline. Right. Yeah, they extended and so it. So it's, it's a no-brainer, right? At one level, right? It's free money. Right. But they've put so many headaches now involved in it that you can't even trust that it's going to be free. Yeah. I, right? w- I wonder if they're going to have to like now loosen it up and be like, um, actually, <laughs> we retract that guidance. It's okay if you take the money. I mean, that would be so silly, wouldn't it, if that happened? But I could see it happening. They keep changing the guidance, right? So yeah. this week, I, every day, the, the laid off employees who refused, refused to be rehired, so they changed the guidance on that. Yeah. So it was, a, this is a problem is if, if somebody refuses to come back to work and they want to stay on unemployment, like what do you do? And so now they're saying that the loan forgiveness, forgiveness amount will not be reduced based on that employee if they you know don't come back, if they don't want to come back. So you mentioned the foreign employees, foreign employees now they do count against the 500 max, apparently. So that wasn't clear before. So if you're a company that has like a foreign parent and there's foreign employees or you've got like two entities in different countries, you've got to consider the foreign employees uh, against that max. Safe Harbor has been extended from May 7th to May 14th to return funds without 
potentially getting you know charged with a crime for a false certification, and then um, corporate groups can no longer receive more than two hundred million together of PPP loans. So I think this is because of that hotel guy we talked about last episode who got you know just a ridiculous amount of PPP it was money, close to like ninety million, right? By time. Yeah, and that was just what had been dispersed. It was like over a hundred million of PPP money um, in a, in total. And also, now if you've had a change of ownership after February fifteenth, they made it clear that you can get a loan uh, because originally it was if it was a new business, you couldn't get a loan if the business wasn't in existence before February fifteenth. And so that could preclude some changes of ownership because you know you might start a new entity to take over the business. So if you did that, now you can still get the loan. Yeah, just guidance getting issued late. I mean, we're now how many, how long into this program? Five weeks, something like that? When the, they turned the computers on, that was what, April 3rd? Yeah. And it was announced, what, two weeks before that? So it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're not alone in this opinion that, you know, maybe the guidance hasn't been clear. The uh, Small Business Administration Inspector General, so the auditor, of the SBA did a, a report that came out today finding that the SBA's interim final final rules for implementing the PPP mostly aligned with the CARES Act, but there were some deficiencies where it didn't align with the law. And those areas are prioritizing underserved and rural markets, loan proceeds eligible for forgiveness, guidance on loan deferments, and registration of loans. And they are making recommendations. They have some suggestions for how the SBA could improve, which is to issue guidance to lenders requiring them, the banks, to prioritize borrowers in underserved markets and also update the requirements for loan forgiveness, be more clear on that, and then uh, issue guidance to lenders on the deferment process for PPP loans. And then apparently one of the suggestions is to register PPP loans by taxpayer identification number, but I thought they were doing that. I don't know if it's registered, but I think I saw something that there's talk of them releasing it as public information. Yeah, so like, here's all the loans and here's the, all the EINs. Who was it? Somebody was on Twitter who was on an AICPA webinar and heard this. Andrea Carr, CPA. She was on an AICPA town hall on May 7th and heard on that from the AICPA that all the PPP loan applications will become public under the Freedom of Information Act eventually, which I could totally see happening, right? This is a public program. Somebody could file a request and... That was my like my point of view on day three when or that first day when they started announcing all the successful number. And it was like, show me who's who's getting this money. Right. right? So, I, 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 maybe they could obfuscate it. I don't know. But like it's how do, how do you... Especially when you get down to like those independent contractors who don't have EINs and they're using their own socials. Yeah. Like how do they, how do they put that out? How do they release this information if it's somebody's social? Then this is why people aren't taking the loans now because they're afraid they're going to get called out for taking a loan, for taking the PPP money. Well, good news for them or bad news, I guess. So maybe you don't want to do the PPP and you still want to try to get that emergency loan from the disaster relief loan from the SBA. Oh, yeah, the uh, EIDLs. Yeah, so they changed that. It's no longer can you get $2 million. It's it, the max is now one hundred fifty thousand, and they've pretty much shut the door to any new applications. They're just not taking anymore. Yeah. Th- so this is a really big program that's normally like the main program in a natural disaster, like a hurricane, right? Yes. But it's been such a disaster that we haven't even been talking about it because nobody can get any money from it. 
It seems yeah, like. it, 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 the success rate of this is much even uh, worse than the PPP program. Yeah. Um, and, and so then, that's after they got $50 billion in new funding. The, the last update to the CARES Act that Congress passed gave them $50 billion more. So I guess there's still so much demand for these loans that they can't, they can't give up to the max, which is $2 million. Normally. And I think it's almost like the same thing with the unemployment, right? There's just so much demand, they just can't keep up. And yeah. it's the same thing, they just can't keep up. And now you're seeing this swing the other direction, right? So, you know, so they're, they're shutting off money from small businesses over here on one hand, but then there's this big push and ADP is really um, arguing for this now because a lot of ADP's customers are that, you know, the we talked about last, last week, the main street lending program. Yeah, the larger small the businesses. The larger firms, right? With yeah. 500 employees, right? Mm-hmm. And in those 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 firms that, you know, have 50 to 499 workers, they only lost about 5 million jobs. But larger firms with over 500 employees have lost 8.9 million positions. And so, you know, ADP is pushing like that that program has to be better taken care of now. Yeah. So, so, so you have like the emergency loans, you have the PPP, you have this main street program, you have the unemployment, like oh, across the board, it's like the stimulus money is just not getting there. Or it's getting there and there's too many restrictions on it, which is the criticism of that PPP money that, well, I have to use it for these specific purposes, 75% on payroll over the next eight weeks. And that period starts as soon as the money hits my account. How am I supposed to plan? When my business is basically shut down, how do I use this money? And it's more difficult than like that because you, yes, you when it hits your account. Well, I try to be I try to be smarter than the PBP. I was like, oh, this makes sense. I will put it in its own account. Mm-hmm. I'll connect my payroll software to that account. Well, every time you do things like this, it takes the day. You have to do the ACH. You have to verify that you have the correct account connected. It just starts adding up, right? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'll make the bank. I'll make the company portion take out of my different bank account. When I run payroll, because you can't have that be part of the PPP, right? So, but a lot of the payroll software packages don't support that. Or if they do support it, the APIs, when they talk back to QuickBooks or the accounting software, doesn't support it. So, I'm trying to track one loan and I'm just like like shaking my head with my hands in the air. (laughs) I don't know how accounts and bookkeepers, if you have to track this PPP loan for dozens and dozens and dozens of clients. Yeah. Well, it's, unless you have every client on the same accounting software at the same bank and using the same payroll software, I don't like it's going to be you're going to be pulling out a lot of hair to try to track this properly. That's why they're super busy. But uh, they did change so, one other rule, the IRS. What's that? So, so let's say the IRS successfully actually got the money out and they've sent a check and it came to your house, but it was for your dead mom. You got to <laughs> oh, send yeah. the check back. <laughs> I, and I thought that they said. When the stimulus checks went out, that if they made incorrect payments, they weren't going to try to do that. But now they're changing their mind on that. I, I just you have to send it back. Yeah. So so yeah. so so instead of just letting people just cash a twelve hundred dollar check and just keep it, it's probably going to cost the government five grand to get the money back and account for it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's rather insane. And but and on the same time, it's like they managed to send out all these checks to dead people. What about everybody else? <laughs> like, like yeah. Right. Like, how did this get in the priority stack? I don't understand. Uh, well, remember how all the um, at the beginning of all this with the PPP, the uh, fintechs were going to get involved and solve the problem. Yes, and then they they did, and you know QuickBooks built 
their PPP loan application process inside of QuickBooks. And as soon as they did that, the first tranche of money ran out. Uh, Well, I have some numbers for you on the fintech companies and how many loans they have funded and for what amount. Oh, and this is like for all the fintech companies or just QuickBooks? Uh, Just a few, actually. I don't have information on Intuit. Um, I do, or I picked that up from the webinar. Okay. Um, I'll just throw it out there really quickly and then you can go on to the rest. So apparently QuickBooks average loan amount is only $7,000. Wow. So they're really getting that bottom end of the market and then helping out the truly the smallest of businesses. Yeah, those, you know, solopreneurs, right? That's interesting to hear because I have some numbers from Ready Capital, PayPal, Square, and OnDeck that are a little bit bigger. This was reported in American Banker, and these numbers come directly from those firms. Ready Capital funded $1.2 billion in loans that averaged $73,000. PayPal has $1 billion approved, averaging $35,000 per loan. Square Capital has $520 million approved, averaging $12,000. And then OnDeck Capital apparently has only been able to file a handful of applications. They never were able to get it working. So that's interesting, right? That's so much lower than what the banks were doing. And makes sense because the banks prioritized their big customers. They held their hands and they made all the small ones go through this, you know, portal kind of system. Uh, whereas the, the fintechs only ever had a portal, right? And so everybody kind of was equal in that regard. Can you just so these numbers to make sure I'm hearing them correctly? Yeah. On deck was not successful. No, they okay. failed. But the other ones that were successful are? PayPal, Ready Capital, about a billion each. Um, and then Square did about half that. Okay. And I'm not super familiar with Ready Capital, but I know like Ondex game is giving out loans at like 19 to 29%. <laughs> so like what is their interest in helping people get 1% loans? Right. Well, maybe right. that's how this but, <laughs> didn't work. But, but Square and PayPal or even Intuit, they have a vested interest in just keeping small businesses open because they have other products that they sell small businesses, right? So right, right. it's just that what would be on deck's motivation? Like it makes sense, these other companies. And I don't know that other capital company, what they do, but you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that a company that only has a loan product didn't give out many. So, you know, it's disappointing how little the fintechs were able to get funded um, because they got into the game so late. You know, that's not their fault. <laughs> it takes a while to build software and they did it amazingly fast, all things considered. But one silver lining to all of this may be that uh, these fintechs are now hopeful because they have been working with the SBA and they now have access to the SBA systems that they could now become participants in the traditional SBA programs going forward. Those 7A uh, programs where you know those are the traditional SBA loans that you can get. So Funding Circle is trying to enter the regular program. Square Capital is... Uh, open to being included in that, they want to, you know, they're they're considering trying to get involved. So that would be that would be good, right? If you could, when you you know have your Square terminal, apply for an SBA loan, right, right there. How cool would that be? I mean, it would give the SBA, which in theory is supposed to be there for all small businesses, a lot better reach and make it yeah. more accessible. Yeah, um, and and they might get an extra chance at this because in that town hall, those senators said. Of, of PPP V3 funds would be coming. So, so like it's being <laughs> planned as we speak. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by SmartBooks Genie. 
SmartBooks Genie was born out of the struggles experienced by Calvin Wilder as he grew his firm SmartBooks from zero to 40 people in eight years. Calvin has been using Genie to run SmartBooks for the last 18 months, and now he's making Genie available to all accounting and bookkeeping firms to power their client accounting services. SmartBooks Genie layers on top of QuickBooks Online to allow you to centralize your firm's workflows, manage the monthly close, automatically prepare client reports, and complete time-consuming manual processes that you're currently doing in spreadsheets or other isolated systems. By centralizing client management to get core work done accurately and on time, SmartBooks Genie will stay on top of the deadlines and scope of service that you are delivering to clients so you keep your client engagements profitable. To learn more about SmartBooks Genie and take advantage of its early adopter program offering 50% off monthly subscription fees, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash genie. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash G-E-N-I-E. SmartBooks Genie grants your wish for a streamlined practice. So that's all the PPP news I have, but I do have more about the overall like coronavirus situation. Um, I've got a survey, a really good survey from accounting today about how COVID-19 is infect, uh, infecting, affecting accounting firms. Um, I'm happy to share that if this is a good time. Absolutely. Jump in. Okay. So uh, this is a survey that was done by accounting today in the third week of April sponsored by ADP, asking specifically how firms have responded in terms of their staff operations and more to the coronavirus pandemic. Some of the highlights from the survey, do you expect your firm's revenue to decrease because of the pandemic? 26% of firms, a quarter of firms said no, they do not expect their revenue to decrease. Uh, The rest said yes by varying amounts between, um, let's say, 1% to 25%. That is kind of the bulk of the uh, respondents. That would be like 65% are saying between 1% and 25%. Uh, More than 25%, only 10% of firms are saying that. So that's actually good news for the accounting profession because you know, up to, I don't know, 20%. That is typically a firm's profit margin, right? A good firm can make, you know, 20% profit. So you could actually survive. You could weather the storm. I mean, you're not gonna have any profit, but you could make it through. So that's a good sign, in my opinion. What's your gut take on that? Is that a realistic view of the world? I I think so. I mean, you know, you look at uh, industries that um, thrive in a recession and accounting is one of those. And uh, that's because people need numbers, right? Like when things are when when things are not going well, you need to know how your business is doing even even, uh, even more than when things are good, right? It's easy to just coast when things are good and uh, and not seek professional help. Yeah, and things are more complicated than than it's ever been as far as with this PP loan stuff. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I mean it it hasn't been this complicated in decades, and yeah, it's know, a huge the, opportunity. Just, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to reconcile it versus like these numbers of like. 70 percent of all small businesses do not have the cash flow to make it another, you know, six weeks. So it's kind of like if that's the case, like how are you know who's going to pay these uh, accounting firms if all these businesses go under? So I guess we'll find out. Well, you have to segment uh, the small business community, right? Because there's just this huge number of small businesses where it's like one person, and those typically are not the customers of an accounting firm. So accounting firms are, you know, we're serving larger small businesses on the whole, like the top 20% of businesses by employee size or revenue tend to get, you know, the business of accounting firms. Got it. Uh, And 
a great example of how firms are responding is 73% of firms are offering CARES Act consulting services in response to COVID-19, helping their clients do that. I'm kind of shocked though that you know 27%, right, over a quarter are not offering any CARES Act consulting for their clients, um, you know, helping them with PPP and whatnot. Are they just doing it for free and they're not doing it as a uh, part of their service offering? No, no, because charging for it is a different question. So this is oh, just okay. like, you know, three quarters are doing CARES Act work for their clients. The other quarter are not. Those are probably the ones who are just like, I only do tax, right? I only do your tax so, return. I'm not going to Or they're just being really smart. They're like, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I don't even want to deal with it. Those are the smart accountants and bookkeepers. <laughs> So some interesting things too, in terms of the services, um, I think this is an opportunity. 36%, so just over a third are offering business continuity consulting. I'm not sure exactly what the definition of that is, but I assume that means, you know, helping people ensure that their business survives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that seems kind of low to me, actually. And cash flow forecasting, only 30% of firms are offering that. That could be way higher, right? Cash flow is super important right now. Uh, why aren't firms doing that? To answer your question about whether firms are charging, this is also amazing here. A third of firms are not charging for coronavirus-related services at all. They're just doing the work for free. I've seen some Facebook chatter about this. You know, people either doing work for free, offering discounted rates to small businesses. You know, There's some arguments that, hey, you're doing more work for them and they're desperate. You should charge more. So people should call and leave us a voicemail. I think, and let us know what their take is on this because yes. I, I, I don't know what the proper thing is. Do you use this as a way to gain new clients possibly? Not just gain new clients, but just ensure your clients survive. So you still have right. clients in the future. Like, I don't know what the, what, I don't know what's going through people's mindsets when they decide how to treat one client versus the next client. Yeah, I understand that. You want your clients to survive and it's also hard to charge them when they're seeing a decline in revenue themselves. But uh, I would say then, don't not charge for the services, defer the payment and defer it a long time if you need to. You know, say you can pay me for this in three months or six months or I'll come up with a plan for you. But to not charge, I mean, we're, we're in business, right? We're, we're business people. We have to make a living too. I mean, it, you know, it's very selfless. And uh, actually accountants, like we often- Could do. you value price this? Yeah, of course. Like, hey, hey, if a year from now we get you through this and you're still in business, you cut me a check for blah. Yeah, why not, right? And it could be a big big number, right? I'm going to give you free CFO cash flow forecasting for the next year. I mean, that would be a lot, a long time. But after that, you got to give me this money if I may help you get through it. I don't know. It could be doable. Worth considering, right? Yeah. So some other stats here. How about um, whether or not firms have closed their offices? You want to take a guess at how many firms close their offices? Like 100% closed or yes, like work from home, office is still open? Yeah, yeah 100% closed. Not man. I'm, I'm going to guess it's very low. 2%? 3 Actually, it's 13%. 13% okay. of firms close their offices completely. Um, 36% have not closed their offices at all. Still operating. To me, that means operating as usual. Uh, and then the others are kind of a, a mix. Some staff are remote, some are in the office. But a full third, you know, have kept going to the office, which is doable because in, I think, pretty much every state, accountants are essential, essential workers. Have you reassessed your staffing due to the coronavirus pandemic? 7% of firms, or respondents, I should say, not necessarily firms, 7% of respondents say they have laid off full-time employees 
and 4% more plan to lay off employees. So 11% total are going to lay off people. But uh, 77% say no, they are not going to change any of that, which I think is good news because in many other industries, it's way worse, right? In other industries, everybody is losing their jobs. So one last thing, one last thing here. Before you jump to the other one. Yeah. uh, So people that are keeping their offices open. So BDO is going to do biweekly. So every two weeks, they're going to test for Corona. They're 5,500 UK staff. Wow. And they have the, so they can return the offices after they're locked down. So they're good. Uh, so it mm-hmm. ties right back into the, the people who haven't closed their office, like BDO is going really extreme. Like they're going to make sure people can come to the office. Yeah. Well, it's great. They can get tests. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Where are they getting, <laughs> where are they getting these tests? They must have every a two weeks. Yeah. Maybe they have <laughs> a client that makes them. That's all I can think. Okay. Last stat here is um, the question is, have you changed your communication strategy since the start of the pandemic? And only 54%, so just over half of respondents say they have contacted individual clients to specifically discuss COVID-19. And I think that's a missed opportunity. Why not call all of them? I guess if you're super, super busy and you don't have time, then that's unrealistic. But I think it's a big opportunity to reach out and just say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And this is uh, just client-facing communications, not your internal staff-type communications. Correct. I don't know about that. That's not in the survey. So. Because I guess that would have to be like 100% has changed because you figure there's a, a decade of people saying we can't work from home and now every accounting firm has their staff basically working from home. <laughs> so they've had to change their <laughs> communications. Yeah. It's amazing actually. I, I uh, you know, it's, it's so crazy that for years and years and years, I mean, we're talking decades, firms said we can't work remotely. And now within weeks, they've figured out how to do it. Isn't that funny? Except for those 13% of firms that have closed their doors. Yeah, or the third of firms that are still going to the office every day. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But before we were at the other end, wasn't it like less than 1% of all businesses could work from home? Well, And now even the accounting industry has gone past the historical percentage. Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, just a few percent of Americans, like three to 5%, I believe, prior to COVID-19, we're working remotely full-time. And now that number has just skyrocketed. I don't know what it is right now, but you know, if you're a professional and you don't need to be in the office to work, then you're working at home. So that's like, you know, we probably multiplied that three or 5% by 10 times is my guess. Yeah. At least, I mean, people are at least working till noon and then you start drinking or something like that. (laughs) Well, no, you can start drinking White Claw at 10 a.m. is what I hear. Yeah, as long as it's clear, clear uh, liquid, then, you know, it's acceptable. <laughs> I'm having um, a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale right now. I had a webinar with a, an accountant, a meeting, a Zoom call, and he made sure he pointed out that he was not drinking a beer and it was kombucha <laughs> during the call because <laughs> but, it was a little bit of the same uh, same shade of uh, yellow there. Okay, so. but kombucha has uh, you know some alcohol content in it if it's authentic. If you buy that kind, yes, that's yes, true. Exactly. That's true. All right, so that's it for COVID. That's it for PPP, EIDL, uh, and stimulus. What else is there even? Did you see the thing about the ICPA delaying effective dates for ethic rules? Yes, I, I did see that. And, 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 I feel like this is your... Uh, my beat. beat. <laughs> so I don't know if that is the same as the delay that I saw for peer reviews. There's been a six month delay granted for peer reviews. You know, I mean, that's 
not a really big deal. It kind of makes sense, right? Everybody's super busy right now. When are they ever going to do it? So that's, uh, you know, that's good, I suppose, for CPAs. Oh, here's one more item on PPP. I apologize, but this is important. Uh, apparently, senators have introduced a bill to allow tax deductions for forgiven PPP loans. This is a bipartisan group saying that they are going to try to get those deductions allowed. Um, last Thursday, the IRS issued a notice that said small businesses couldn't deduct the expenses related to PPP loan forgiveness. And that Friday during the show, the ASCPA said they were going to fight it. Right. So the ASCPA said they were going to uh, support getting those deductions back. And now there's a bill in Congress. So maybe the ASCPA had something to do with that. Uh, so the idea is that the loan will be forgivable. The That will not be taxable income. And then the deductions will also uh, be allowed. And so therefore it will be uh, basically a tax-free benefit. And um, yeah, so that's, that's it. Um, so it's the least we, they can do at this point. It's the, the least, least they, they can, can do. do. So uh, I think we're ready to move on to our final segment, App News. Shopify is now Canada's most valuable public company. Really? Yes. Well, I guess that makes sense with e-commerce, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if you saw, their, they've started to release like a, an they eased people into it. First, it was an app just to check your sh- if your shipment came. Mm-hmm. And now it's an app to do shopping in. So they're kind of directly competing against Amazon now. So so Good. everybody's messy, right? Everybody's competing different directions, right? So the, so they're, you can get the Shopify app and you can access lots of people's Shopify stores and products. And I think it's really more dri- product driven. So mm-hmm. not, not so much store driven. So you'll, you'll see products that you might want to buy. And it's just got, but but I saw this. If you think about it, like, do you remember when it was BlackBerry? What was BlackBerry? Was like the big BlackBerry was the big company of Canada. Oh, right? really? I forgot they were no, Canadian. They're Canadian, yeah. And so yeah. you know, now you know they they have a very huge, gigantic tech company again. Well, hopefully, Shopify won't go the way of BlackBerry. Hopefully not. But it's a uh, there's always competition because they're competing, so, you know, with Square and um, PayPal. So I've got an app news story here. I saw that Right Networks has purchased Rootworks, which is a how would you describe Rootworks? They're 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 described as a firm improvement organization. It's like a network of like you have your accounting firm and you join the Rootworks network to get support procedures, policies. Uh, it's not a franchise model, but in a way you're getting kind of the things you would get if you bought a franchise from McDonald's. You'd be getting all these standardized procedures. And I think that's kind of how Rootworks works. Yeah, it's it's educational in nature, right? Professional development, kind of uh, like very rigorous. So uh, Rootworks founder, Darren Root, is going to be joining Right Networks as the general manager of uh He's going to stay general manager of Rootworks, and he's going to be the Right Network's VP of Market Strategy. And he says that the move offers his organization, <laughs> and he says that the move offers his organization quote enterprise level support for its modern firm performance platform, a platform composed of front office tools and resources, supported by ongoing guidance and, and an established peer community to manage, organize, and execute on all aspects of tech enabled firm functions. So. When you parse through that press release, David, what does this mean to you? I it sounds like it's going to be a one stop shop. So, like right now, 
Right Networks if I if I have an accounting firm. I'd have to go to Right Networks to get so you can get your whole uh, IT department completely outsourced. But then I would have to go. Hey, I want to you know I want to manage my employees. I want to develop my employees in my firm. I want policies for my firm. I'd have to go find Root Networks, right? But now I can just under I can do everything in one spot. But what I really find interesting is that Right Networks of all the hosting companies, they're the only one trying to figure out how to not be a hosting company. Because I think we kind of, as we talk about cloud, like being a hosting company is probably not a good place to be in. Five yeah, years from now. It's a shrinking ice cube, right? It's, it's eventually going away. And right networks, if I look at that whole landscape of the hosting companies, they're the only one not buying other hosting companies. <laughs> they're buying other companies to not be a hosting right. company eventually. Yeah, the, the one that really interested me from, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, was Autofy. When they purchased Autofy to build integrations, I thought that was really cool. Autofy, they also acquired um, Trans Importer, tra- um, Transaction, Transaction, Importer? Transaction Importer Pro, I think is the name of it. And mm-hmm. to and basically what that is, it just takes data from spreadsheets and moves them into the accounting systems. Yep. And so they, yeah, they're, they're reinventing themselves one acquisition at a time and not just a acquisition of the exact same business they're already in. Anything else? Sage announced that they had some new updates to their product. So Sage has their business cloud accounting solution, which is kind of their version of QuickBooks Online or Zero, And it looks like they're starting to build it out as, you know, it's starting to get legs. They're adding uh, some better bank feeds with uh, bank rules and recurring invoices. They actually added some, I saw a picture in the UI and it looks kind of similar to QuickBooks Online where it's like, you can see that the trail of your invoice, right? You A, it was created, it was sent. It was viewed. It was paid. You can see that they've deeply integrated auto entry into it, so you can scan your documents, and they're they're right there inside the accounting system. They're using you know you don't really use a third party app because it's just imp- um, embedded inside. So they're they're, mm-hmm. they're it feels like it's getting rounded out, and then they're adding some HR tools with KKHR. So the in a way, I I, don't, I feel like nobody's really ever given Sage Business Cloud the time of day from a look, but they're starting to. It's starting to get robust. You know, it might be worth checking out one day. And uh, in Sage-related news, Sage Intact, the mid-market ERP company, has canceled their in-person Intact Advantage conference, which is not until October. And I find that really interesting because a big question in my mind has been, are these fall conferences going to happen? And... I'm skeptical given the trajectory of COVID-19 and how long this could last. We're talking a year or more, two years. Some people are even saying three years. So the fact that they've canceled and they're moving to a virtual experience, I think could be a significant presage. <laughs> to, I didn't, that was no pun intended. It's presaging what will happen uh, with other conferences potentially. Well, I know uh, recently ZeroCon canceled their Sydney event, and I can actually see the companies canceling their own conferences because at some level for those those companies, their own conference is just a big marketing expense. So QuickBooks, right? Maybe right, right. Purpose Connect or, or Zero canceling ZeroCon, or even you just talked about Sage canceling um, Intact Advantage, right? It's it's a marketing expense. But if you're just if all you do if your business is conferences. You don't, you're, no, you're not a software company, et cetera. You're probably going to have to still have your conference because that's your revenue stream. 
you you don't you're not doing a conference because this fun thing for your end users and it's a marketing expense. Like yeah. those people are in the business of running conferences. So I I have a feeling those paper conferences like Scaling New Heights is an example, right? Those conferences are still probably going to try to move forward because for the, that's the business. The conference is the business, right? They and they have to do it to survive. All right, David. Um, that's all the time I've got today. I've got to go, but we did get a voicemail, and I want to play that for you. So uh, here we go. You've got mail. Hi, this is Shauna Weber with Edgewood Business Solutions over here in California. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for this podcast. It's so informative. And I really appreciate it. Like, I have a network that I'm in, and I hear different things that are happening in the industry. But I love that you have a wider network and you share so that I feel somewhat normal when it's been a little crazy with PPP. And I loved the video from the CPA that you played today. Hilarious. And how we've all been feeling. So I just wanted to reach out to say thank you. I appreciate you both. And I hope you have a great week. Take care. Awesome. Thank you, Shauna. That was very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, it feels connected. I got a little bit of a chills there, to be honest. Thank you so much, Shauna. That is really great to hear. If you want to leave us a message... Call our number. It's 202-695-1040. That is 202-695-1040. It's a Google Voice number. It goes straight to voicemail. Leave us a message. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know your feedback. Just say, hey, what's going on? And we'll take a listen, and we maybe will even play it on the air. And David, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to do that? I'm now on TikTok, but I don't know my TikTok name, so don't follow me there. I might be, I, I, I'm either like the real David Leary or the David Leary. I'm not really sure. Uh, the real I, David I, Leary. That's I signed up to monitor my kids. So, oh, okay. but I am on TikTok. Good, ex- good excuse. If, if I get a lot of followers, maybe I'll start making some weird dances or whatever you do on TikTok. I'm not actually sure. Um, but best way is probably Twitter. I'm at David Leary. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. But if, you, if you're on LinkedIn, please put a message because I just get too many messages of like, looks like we have a lot of contacts in common. And well, you know, those are fake immediately. I know they're robots and I'm talking to them and it's not good. So please, please identify yourself as a listener. And, and, and as a human being, <laughs> if you want to reach me online, I'm at Blake T Oliver on Twitter. And you can email me Blake at blakeoliver.com. And until next week, David, stay healthy, stay safe, uh, stay sane. Enjoy the hot week up in Phoenix. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Still sending spreadsheets of unclassified expenses to clients? Automate this process and get client answers instantly with Client Hub's QuickBooks Online integration. This feature was described as one that only an accountant would have come up with, as it solves a real big pain point. Client Hub is a modern client portal designed for cloud accounting firms. Get started today with a free trial at clienthub.app and enter promo code CAP25 for 25% off your first three months. Stop spending endless hours creating and building workflow and process templates for your firm. Jetpack Workflow is 32 accounting flow workflow templates you can download for free. These popular accounting templates include monthly bookkeeping, weekly accounting analysis, and 990, 1120, 1041, 1040 tax returns. Download yours free today at slash free templates. That's slash free templates.
Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info and be sure to check out our special stimulus pricing of four episodes for just $100.